Being a mom is the toughest job there is, and it doesn't come with instructions. So it's okay if you don't have all the answers. We'll figure it out together. This is Mom Brain with Hilaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Hey guys, I'm Ilaria Baldwin. And I'm Daphne Oz. And this is Mom Brain. Oh yeah. Which it means so many things. It means we are we're super smart and super forgetful. <laughs> and that's the beauty of Mom Brain also. The genesis of this podcast was you and I were talking all the time about our kids and about being moms and the and, and our dreams and hopes and aspirations and, and all the things that we were trying to be thoughtful about as thoughtful parents. Um and it was such a natural conversation and so much something we had so much fun with. And we were learning a lot from each other and also realizing things that we still had to learn. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole point here is how do we make our brains bigger and better through the conversation of of what comes along with being the most important job we all have. Which and is and bring information here from lots of different perspectives and never say, hey, this is the one right way to do it. But say, hey, here's your options. Here's some information on each option. Totally. And what feels right for you? Totally. I think and that's, uh, you know, as opposed to on social media where everyone gets their like one, you know, quippy a comment in. This is a place to have a real conversation about it and be able to present those uh, differing, differing opinions and back it up with our own personal experiences or or be able to ask the questions. And with that in mind, you guys send us your questions. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Lari and I are on we our read all the comments. We read all our comments. We would love to hear from you. And if you would like to email us, we now have an email. And it's mombrainpod at gmail.com. Mombrainpod at gmail.com. How easy is that? How easy is that? So you're sitting up late nursing or you're driving your kids home from the car and you're stopped at a red light because we don't text and drive. Email us your questions. Listening to this podcast, let us know what you love, what you don't love, what you want to hear more about, what really piqued your interest what your mom brain is wrestling with right now. And we can't wait to answer Even if you just questions. want to vent. Oh, yeah. Just vent to us. Constructive venting. We don't I mean, not, not about us, about your children, about your own mom brain, not about our mom brain, because we're struggling enough between our seven people that we have made between the two of us. Mm. Today, we are talking about somebody who does it all, Rebecca Minkoff. Rebecca Minkoff moved to New York City at only 18 years old to pursue her dream of becoming a fashion designer. She spent years establishing herself as a top fashion industry leader. And today, Rebecca Minkoff is a global brand with a wide range of apparel, handbags, footwear, jewelry, and accessories. Now, she's a good friend of yours. Yeah, Daphne? She's a great friend of mine. And Becky is one of those moms, when you meet her, you're like, how do you do it all? Give me your time travel machine because everyone knows, obviously, the Rebecca Minkoff line, handbags, shoes, clothes, watches, glass. I understand glasses are happening I in know. the future. Um, sun Sunglasses. Um, she's also mother to three beautiful children, ranging in ages from six down to six months old. Um, wonderful husband who's a partner to her through life and you know manages to support a, a variety of philanthropies along the way and just launched her own new podcast called Super Women with Rebecca Minkoff. So I'm really excited to dive into our conversation with her and just pick her brain, pick her mom brain. And see if we can become as cool as she is. Well, that's a far stretch. Maybe not, maybe not the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> For me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I am the epitome of mom brain. I can't remember anything. I lost like three things this weekend. Do you lose things? all the time I don't and when I do I know something's really wrong let's talk about your hyper organization then because I I'm, I'm amazed. not hyper organized you no. have three children 
a full, thriving, insane career and you don't lose things. So something is working for you that is not working for me. I lost my corporate Amex last week and I was like, yeah, it was not good. Who went shopping? No one, thank God. (laughs) But um, I was having a fight, not with my husband, with someone within my company. And I think I was so angry that when I got out of the cab, I didn't pull it out. And that's where it and went. And that's where I went. Yeah. You know, I I had the same thing. So it actually was a fight that my husband and I had on Friday <laughs> about very stupid. I can I don't think we could even like explain what it is about and we're like totally over it and fine. But um but I lost three things this weekend and I don't often do that, but I always know that I need to like check in, slow down, take a deep breath because it's like it can get way worse. Because yes. it just can kind of snowball. Here's what I worry about more is I don't know that I lost something. And when I'm cleaning out my various bags or wallets or travel stuff, I'm like, oh, that's where that is. <laughs> and then I'm like, I didn't even know I was missing, but hey. I like when that I... happens and I find 20 bucks. Um, <laughs> one thing you just said, Ilaria, though, was that you were fighting about something that you don't even remember now, yes. and it's clearly fine and yes. all good. Do you find that in the chaos of being a mom and in the chaos of just being busy, period, do you pick fights? Do you wish that you didn't? I wish, I'll just speak for my own self, I wish that I didn't fly off the handle as quickly as I do with my husband in particular because in, inevitably it is an irrelevant fight that never matters, that right. like we don't remember for two seconds later. But it creates this strife and this moment of agita in a world that's already, you know, our kids create a lot of chaos too. I, and I, how do you get a hold of your own temper or do you find that you've had these coping mechanisms that you've developed over the years so that you don't pick unnecessary fights? Well, the good news, Daphne, is it's always his fault. Oh, so that's true. just the thing. <laughs> um, I find that I'm a pretty namaste even person. Of course, we all have our moments, but I try to take a deep breath and have perspective and stand back and really listen to what the person is saying because you don't want to like later on, you're like, oh God, now I have to apologize. Now I have to deal with all of that. And obviously that does happen sometimes, but I used to do it a lot more. I used to just really rage and yell and do that whole kind of thing. And I just got to the point, I was like, this is such a waste of time. I don't, I have to be really efficient. And so I need to listen to you right away, hear what you're saying. And if if it's not working, I say, hey, you know what? We love each other, right? We want to be friends, right? We don't really need to do this, right? Let's skip the whole part of where we fight and let's get to the resolution part. So I try to do that because I always am trying to think about how I'm going to feel about it tomorrow. No matter what, even like right now, I can think like, how am I going to feel about this tomorrow? We're all sitting here. I want us to have a good time. I'm so excited that you're here. So just always have, being present, but then being able to be a little bit outside at the same time, I think has been a really great tool for me. I love that. I wish I wish that, um, I wish for all of us that we would have that ability to step outside the body and say, you know what, tomorrow, how am I going to feel about this? Tomorrow, with some removal from the fiery Turkish emotions that I'm feeling about this in this moment. Would I feel something differently? Would I understand your perspective better? And by the way, that's not just for husbands, although my husband inevitably gets the brunt of of me being overwhelmed in a moment um, because I try not to put that on my kids ever, obviously. But but um, I do think that something as aware as that, as just being able to give yourself that quick. I, I think about this with eating sometimes. If I um, if I give myself, I call it my count to my age before I before I cheat type of rule. And it's you know if I count to thirty two before I go in on the the bag of Oreos, it's it's a different experience. You're very conscious right. of it. You indulge and you enjoy it, and it means something as opposed to the sort of mindless experience. And I. I like to think that there are elements of that to parenting too. That there are ways to give yourself a mental break so that you 
can stay namaste. Not stay namaste. Mm-hmm. Well, what about in terms of parenting? I mean, I, I try to do that as well a, a lot with parenting and, and disciplining. So when one, you know, so-and-so hits that person and so-and-so sticks their tongue out or this person lied to you and you have um, you have at least one child, two children. But what, your second one is six? Four. Four. So you have one child that's older than my children. Yes. Um, and, you know, I've been noticing as Carmen, who's my five-year-old, as she is getting older, the problems start to get a little bit bigger. And you really need to be very clear. They're less distractible. You need to be very clear. And I always want to parent her and teach her something that she is going to make her a better person rather than shame her and just be angry in the minute because she just, you know, made me mad. (laughs) I need that. I know. I know. (laughs) I, I I feel like if I'm with them a lot like on a vacation my my temper snaps a lot quicker like my patience whereas if i'm working and i'm nine to five and then i get home and i'm like yes i love you this is why i had you but if i'm with them 24 7 i'll snap quicker and i want to do those teachable lessons and i tell myself but then sometimes they just piss me off and i'm like really dude you had to wrestle her down and she banged her head now she has a goose egg like you a-hole right why do you got to do that right and they know. They and know they when know. you're at your edge yes. and they're like needle, yes. needle, mm-hmm. needle. Yes. Okay, wait. So so you so obviously for those who don't know Rebecca is the uh, the janitor of the eponymous label <laughs> Rebecca Binkoff. the generator, generator, the generator, the progenitor, the whatever she created. She is Rebecca Minkoff of Rebecca Minkoff. I'm sure you your closets like mine are filled with her beautiful clothing, accessories, handbags, new watches jewelry, all this jazz. Um, And you do have an extremely stressful at times, I'm sure, obviously very creative and and because it is creative, sometimes draining career, um, but also hugely enlivening and, and exhilarating. How do you how do you come home from work and turn off that energy valve and put new energy into the mom valve? How do you how do you come home and and remember like this is what I work for. This is what I I made you for this moment because I love to have this time together. So I think it goes through peaks and valleys. I think that I try as much as I can when I get home to just put the phone away, not look at it, really be present with the kids. And then there's times where that's not possible. So like leading up to fashion week, three people on my team decided to go on a vacation when they probably shouldn't have and I was doing their jobs plus two other people's jobs and so my mind I couldn't turn it off right um and so even my son to, said to me mommy you're not acting like my mommy right now because even though I was there with him I was being a little short and I was trying to get him to bed early and so I could go back on my phone and work and so those are the moments where you're like Jesus yeah you know but I know it's temporary and I said in two days I'm gonna be your mom again I promise my thing will be over and I'll be focused again. So I think I know that those periods of time happen mm-hmm. and they're particularly stressful. And I'm like, it's okay that I'm a little bit not with you and like sort of giving you half-ass playtime, but like that's temporary. I guess I just tell myself it's temporary, think, so it's okay. I think there's an element of that where kids have to understand that they are not the center of Correct. the world and Correct. you need to yes you can try we can try our best to be there for them and as we have multiple as all as we all do it gets harder and harder because this person needs something that person needs something and they're all your kids and they're all important but then they can also see like mommy has to go to work right and by them seeing that they are going to think about their own work one day and when they go out and when they're responsible for different things and that they must show up I think the thing that I keep going back to is I never felt damaged by my parents working, right? And they were 
there, but they weren't ever present. Like I feel the need to be with my mm-hmm. kids or my husband feels the need. So I'm like, where did this guilt come from? Because I probably see my kids more than like a lot of people that work a nine to five job due to the fact that I travel with them and whatever. I've made them a priority. And and then I'm like, wait, how, where did this guilt come from? I don't know if you feel that way. Like my parents were working and I had to play by myself and I had to figure it out. Well, that, it's funny that you say that my my grandmother had six children, has six children. And in my mind, she is the archetype of maternal behavior. She's I mean, she's extraordinarily loving her. Her family's so close knit um, that she and my grandfather live on a farm. I mean, it's very this wonderful sort of arrangement of this is what motherhood looks like in my mind. And yet when I think back on it and realize that she was also running for public office, she went back and got her theological degree late in life. She um, she had ran her own business. She was always doing these things that were investing in what made her happy and investing in the things that she knew she felt she had a calling to do in the world. The things that she thought would make the world better, things that she thought she could do the best, like whatever it ended up being. And I it took me having one, maybe two kids before I realized that my version of motherhood where very similarly to you where every minute that i was away from my children i felt guilty about it and i felt like oh you know i'm i'm robbing them this time with me i'm you know if i'm home with them i'm missing out on career opportunities if i'm at work i'm missing out on motherhood opportunities and that conflict and that friction was driving me insane because you really can't win and you're always feeling like you're failing if there's no opportunity to win. Um, and and uh, and it wasn't until I s- sort of stepped back and looked at my grandmother, who, again, for me, is this is this arc, uh, uh, this archetype of what I should be aiming for. And I had to recognize like, oh, but but she clearly took time away. She clearly and it didn't damage her kids right. and it didn't make them think that she didn't love them and it didn't make them feel like she didn't prioritize them Um and and it and it forced me to really reengage this idea that it's quality over quantity. And that's not to say that you know when I when I'm traveling for work, I don't miss them terribly or or feel like I am. Um, my absence is very clearly and acutely known. <laughs> but but I do think it's a new thing. I think that we moms who became moms maybe call it after I don't know 2005. This experience of the trade-off being seen as an extreme negative for your child. Right. I don't think it was as present before. And maybe that's just I I wasn't a mom before. I think that they did feel that way. And I think your grandmother, if you had... If you take your grandmother, yeah. she's still yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so very if you much take so. your grandmother, <laughs> she'll she'll be in she'll here. Be in here. Gonna, <laughs> she's our next guest. That would be amazing. That, that would, would be, be amazing. amazing. Uh, um, but I bet you, if you asked her. Because we also tend to idolize our parents and idolize our grandparents in some ways, unless there's something, you know, profoundly wrong. I say, oh, well, they never felt this way and they never did this way. And actually, like they when when we're not there, they still exist. They have those moments when the door is closed and they felt feel overwhelmed. They have those moments when, I mean, you know, kids are kids. They're, they pr- probably begged her. Don't go. Don't go. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that happened. Um, it's just, you know, they there was this level of like elegance of like keeping it together and yeah. then maybe they just kept it behind closed doors and they didn't have social media to and document exactly. all of it <laughs> exactly no my my mom is a good sounding word for all of this too because i do think i you know obviously the child remembers it differently than the parent and and obviously she's a mother of of grown-up children now so she has some level of remove from her own motherhood but also mother forget so quickly what their experience was everyone's experience is rosy in past tense it's or or you know way worse than it was in past tense um so i just don't know how accurate any of the any of the memory is but in my mind 
it was this perfect balancing act. And I think I think now there are a lot of demands on our time, even our time that is our own sometimes feels like it's being robbed from us because because we we're always on call. I mean, email, you're always on call. Phone calls, you're always on call. Anyone who wants to reach you kind of always can. And um, maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's that our brains are never off. And as a mom, your brain is never off anyway. Mom brain. <laughs> but it's also it's also that you that you feel this constant tug of the other. There's so many selves of mom, right? There's so many versions of you that are needed every day. And I feel like maybe something that I struggle with is how do I how do I, you know, reshuffle this myself so that the mom self can be there and be and and every once in a while just be that, you know? No, you you I heard you say and tell me if this is correct, but I heard you talk about how there is no such thing as balance. Nope. Balance is just a mirage. That being said, you also talk about how you don't take meetings before 930 in the morning. Yep. And you never are away from your children for more than five days. Wow. Am I correct? You are I correct. I did my research. You did the research. <laughs> I love it. Um, so that being said, like, what would you, what's your advice to other mothers in terms of trying to find the line between being an extremely successful, beautiful businesswoman you know, you you look like you have it all together. You're standing right here. You're sitting right it's here in front of us. You look this morning. Oh, that, that always helps. The good glam does I'm help. Sleeping it all week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not we're lying. Gonna, inter- we're going to interview her again on Friday. Go see into how your that casket and just seriously, <laughs> seriously, wake up looking like that. Um, you know, and then also being there and 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 being a mom and and where if there's no balance, where's that point that you're trying to find? I think that each person has to explore within themselves their limits and not look at other moms and especially moms on social media, like how they're doing it. And I think you have to go, what am I comfortable with and what am I not? So I know if I don't do drop off, I'm missing out on something. If I get home too many nights, like past, you know, seven, something's wrong for me. You know, if I'm gone for more than five days, a kid comes with me, even though that makes my trip harder. I don't sleep like all those things. So I think I spent a year or two, especially after each kid, because it changes, like exploring, like, what are those boundaries? And then trying to remain as firm as possible. And I realize it's not possible for all people to do that. But I try and much as much as I can that I know I'm saying no to things. I know I'm making sacrifices with friends or with you know ne- never getting to see Daphne and having dinner, you know? Pathetic. We but, are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to plan it for like a month. But um, so I think you sort of know what are the sacrifices you're going to make. Um, and hopefully it, it all equals out, even though I don't, I think that balance is a bad word because then you're striving to achieve something which can't exist. Mm-hmm. And there are times when it's like terrible and you are working every night for a few weeks straight and mm-hmm. you're not seeing your family. And then there are times when you don't have that. So I think it's like finding your own sense of like, what are my boundaries and how do I keep that as much as possible? I wonder if boundaries might be a better word than balance because you're right. Balance implies that there's like equal, you, you have equal work, equal kids. And I don't think that that's ever the case. I kind of think it recalibrates. So some days I'm an A mom, a B wife, a C friend, a D employee. And the next day it can completely, you know, re rejigger. I, I wonder though, because you said, you know, after every child, it changes and and you're, you have three and they range in age from seven to seven months almost. My my boy, Nico, will eventually be. He doesn't know this yet. Arranged marriage with my little one, Nico. I'm in. <laughs> Nico and Nico, you heard it here. Um, hashtag everything. <laughs> um, I, I wonder what you would tell the version of mother that you were for Luca, your first, now that you've had three. Um, 
Mm-hmm. How did you do things differently? And would you con- would you have done things differently if you had the benefit of hindsight? I think what I would have done differently would have been to enjoy those moments where it's just one kid. Where sometimes you're yeah. like, oh, he woke up early. I'm not going to get to sleep. Or this is so hard. Guess what? It is not hard with one kid. It's a fucking vacation. <laughs> okay? Isn't that insane? But you don't know that until you have three. But it's, by the way, when you have your first, you're like, when I had my first, John and I would wake up at, you know, four in the morning when she decided to wake up for the first time and look at each other and be like, we thought we were so fucking busy before we had children. What were we doing? Right. Every weekend morning that we had just ourselves to worry about, every weekday that we had just ourselves to worry about, what were we doing? And you have your first and you're like, oh gosh, this is so challenging and my life is so full now. And then you have your second and it's like, you know, you just keep getting thrown through the ringer. I think after three though. And then you have your fourth. (laughs) It actually, I think the biggest difference is one to two. Yeah, yeah, big one time. to two is really tough because you do think you, all of a sudden you're a parent and you think your life is so tough, right? Which it is, you know. In fairness, it is way sure. tougher than it was before, yeah. and your entire focus is centered around this one child. Yes, and then you have another one. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa! I don't know how to do. I don't know how to be like all I can be for this person to this person as well. And then this first person complaining that all of a sudden this new person is here and should not have been invited and must be sent back immediately, and then. But once you have three and then four, like literally there was no difference between three and no, four. The None zoo is already whatsoever. in place. It's I'm, just new animals. I'm <laughs> slowly trying to convince my husband for the fourth. Oh, do it. But he's like, I already don't have enough time for the three of them and you and I don't talk. I'll call so. him. I'll call him. But okay. talk about I'll call that. <laughs> when, when do you and Gavin, if ever, get alone oh, time? Oh, God. We have to schedule these dates. How are you going to have a fourth? Is I, there sex? <laughs> Tell us everything. Do you really want to know <laughs> yes. how broken my vagina is oh, right my now? Gosh. <laughs> Should we go there? <laughs> Mom brain. <laughs> Mom badge. <laughs> uh, this baby came out of me so fast that I think he broke something on the way out. So I'm currently getting vagina therapy to fix it this is a wow. new thing this is like actually I being about this no I've been, I've been hearing about this a lot um i heard about it first because in france apparently after you give birth it is commonplace it is paid for by the state for women to receive pelvic floor rehabilitation which is essentially an intense version of pilates which helps you get obviously control of your of your pleasure zones back which is really important um gets control bladder bladder, gets control of your lower abdominals and and i am i really think that getting that core strength back is actually a huge part of mom's recovery mentally because that's the center of your body if you have no if you feel like loose and out of control which i do for a long time after giving birth because it it never dawned on me that there would would have been rehabilitative exercises specific for post-childbirth yeah um anyway so i've been talking about this because I was really intrigued by this this France this French practice and more and more people are saying there's vagina therapy now in like a totally but not is, is that is that what it is so I mean I'm I'm a yoga teacher and so and that's what I do with my postpartum moms that's what I do for myself I notice a big difference between week one week two and week three just in terms of the amount of kegels I'm doing the amount of core work not as in abs but just core strengthening of pulling everything back together and becoming myself again is that what vagina therapy is well I'm calling it vagina oh, therapy so it's not actually it called pe- that because no, no, it's pelvic floor work <laughs> oh, <okay>. so <laughs> she's teaching me like <laughs> how to properly 
Kegel. Are like, we all which, Kegeling right yeah. now? I, did a, I just <laughs> did one when you said it, Ilaria. I was like, oh, there if you it heard is. me choke a little bit, it's because I was like, ah, suck it. <laughs> so she's teaching me that. She's also teaching me um, there's a massage you have to do internally, which my husband loves to participate in. Wow. That's nice. I thought part of my muscle was bone. And she's like, that's your muscle. That's how hard it is. And it has to relax because the act of having an orgasm is relaxing right. and convulsing. So she's just teaching me a lot about my anatomy, which I didn't know. That's, and Isn't that and helping. funny that you've birthed three times, though? And uh, similarly, I, I think we are sadly uneducated about our own anatomy and about what goes where and what not obviously we're not talking birds and bees people we're talking about like just you by yourself understanding how things come back together and how things do reorganize after the incredible birthing process and um and i think that that's i think that's really important i think it's important for connectivity and with yourself first because that's you part have to know of, what you're doing yeah before you can well, tell someone else what to do. i think it's one of the biggest problems where people say don't do anything for six to eight weeks afterwards and maybe that means don't run a marathon and people always you know will write on my on my instagram as they see me doing like small stretches and small little exercises like i'm not going out and like you know doing tons of push-ups and stuff like that i'm doing very small little movements that start to take care of myself and bring me back to me um and that's very frowned upon in our culture you know just don't sit there and don't do anything lay down nurse the baby that's all you're supposed to do and i do think it's this kind of like i'm going to close my eyes not look down there until everything somehow heals enough that I feel like I'm semi myself again. And a lot of people never get there. They never get there. And it just kind of spirals and gets more and more difficult to return to yourself. And that's why I'm such a big advocate of, of course, being fit on a daily, you know, on a, in your regular life. But when I'm pregnant, I continue to move. I want my circulation to go. I want to be working on my Kegels. I want to be working on my arms and my legs um, to be able to not only like carry my kids, but just to, you know, relax my shoulders and feel better. And then it helps me so well during my labor and delivery. And then, you know, postpartum, I tend to you know, snap yeah. back pretty quickly because there is that just awareness and connectivity to myself. I just get so tired after giving Me birth. Too. And I, I, that's why, I mean, look, I've been a healthy eater for a long time. I mean, I grew up, I, I eat healthy foods because I find them delicious and the way that I like to make them, I find them delicious. But I find, I, I recommit to it even more in pregnancy and, and post-pregnancy because that to me is the first way I start to give back to myself. It's with food that I feel like it's, you know, encouraging milk. It's making me feel like I'm getting my fitness back without, it's it's uh, it's giving me a way to feel some kind of control or, or like there are some kind of support system around me. Um, but but I want to go back really quickly because I think we, we got to the, the vagina part quickly. But, wait, 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 wait. But, but I want to I want to finish I yeah. want to finish your thought for a second, then yeah. and we'll go back to the vagina part. Yes. That I'm now in my next uh, cocktail party. I'm not going to call it vagina therapy, but the two of you guys almost tricked me into doing that. No, but I don't think one thing that ta that bothers me is that people will see that my commitment to fitness and they'll be like whoa 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 but that's you know I want to be able to eat and just kind of what you said I I'm, I am tired I'm tired too yeah and I'm not again it's not me going out and doing a whole hour but it's just realizing that even though it's hard it's so worth it and it actually gives you more energy I mean totally. this time around right after having this baby I had pneumonia when I delivered him I was 
so sick. And my neighbor, she made me these breastfeeding cookies. They're basically chocolate chip cookies that you're like, all right, whatever. And I make so much milk anyway, so I don't need the extra cookies. But um, but I just was like eating chocolate chip cookies for like a week or two afterwards because it was so easy and nothing tasted like that much anyway. So the, you could like taste like a little bit of sweetness because I was so congested. But like, but I, I would, I think that there is an element of, yes, you need to take care of your body and you need to relax, but don't be afraid to say, hey, you know what? I am tired and I need to get moving a little bit. And I know, again, with that whole perspective that we started talking about, I know that I'm going to be better for myself, better for my children, and I'm going to feel better in the grand scheme of things. Absolutely. And that little bit of investment in yourself goes such a long way. And I, I've personally seen the cumulative effects of, and I know this is something that you talk about all the time, Ilaria, like when you do 10 minutes and you, I think you call them your found moment workouts, mm -hmm. stolen moment, hiding in your bathroom, exactly. wherever it is that you need to be where no one's going to disturb you for these 10 minutes that you are, I'm saying it to every mom out there, you are entitled to 10 minutes of alone time every single day. And if that's all you get, Every time you do it, you get stronger. Every time you do it, you feel better. And I totally agree. It does boost your energy, although it's really hard to get into it. And I sometimes will do workouts in like regular workouts, you know, 10 minutes of arms or something and regular clothes mm -hmm. just because that's all I can get to that day. Um, but I do think however it is that you're reinvesting in yourself, it can be food. It can be working out. It can be uh, 10 minutes of tea by yourself. It can be, you know, listening to a podcast. <laughs> whatever it ends up being. Listening to this listening podcast. Listening to this, this podcast, one. pretty please. Um, I think that, I think that, we would really all be much better if we felt like we were allowed to do that because you are you are a better mom, a better version of yourself, a better wife, a better everything you're trying to be when you have that experience of of, of self-love. So back, back to vaginas. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, so but more about more than vagina, more about relationships. So so obviously a huge portion of your time is devoted to work, a huge portion to your kids. What time is left over for you personally and for for your marriage? I would say um, not very much of either. I think we have decided and is that, you know, while they're young, our focus of our time together is as a family. He would love to go on date night once a week. He would love that. And I can get there like once a month. And I would love it to be more than that. But then I feel guilty. And then I were at dinner and he knows I'm thinking about the kids. And like I already had to work late twice this week. So I think... Um, he's okay sort of putting that off a little bit, but there's, I think he definitely would love more and I would love more, but I just don't know how to get there and how to then not see the kids. Yeah. Um, so that's something we're working on for what, sure. What's his, um, is he hands-on dad? He is super hands-on. He is like super dad. And which I am so grateful for. Does he, he really see the is. kids more during the day or? He does not. He works full time um, and he travels a little bit, not as much as he used to, but mm -hmm. he is there. Like we are there every night almost. I you know probably each of us has to work late one to two nights a week and we're always making sure the other one's home. That's home. So, yeah, no, it's incredible. I mean, he let he knows that sleep is important to me. And since I can't get unattached from my little piglet at night <laughs> <laughs> who needs to eat at the buffet every hour, he lets me sleep in in the morning and takes the elders. And like yesterday morning, I like, shot out of bed at like 715. He's like, go back to sleep. I got it under control. Oh, go back amazing. to sleep. So it's like it's awesome. It is a partnership. I mean, having totally. seen you guys in action, it is fluid. It is very much you can see 
the equivalency, the sharingness that you guys have around your kids. And that, I mean, I, even I, I obviously love to love to see my, my Rebecca in person, but I love to watch her on Instagram too, because she and her family travel a lot. And I think traveling with small kids, something that people are always a little terrified of, right? Especially when they're as small and close together as yours are, Becky. And I, I think that, um, one of the things that I always am marveling at is like, you know, Gavin or you's got Nico in the carrier and the other ones in front and they're just traipsing around. They're eating, you know, pasta vongole and there, there's nothing <laughs> and there's nothing. There is no terror. And I think that that is something there. There are two emotions around parenting that I think need to be eradicated and stomped out. It's my personal mission to get rid of them. Guilt and fear. Because they rob you of the joy. They rob you of this feeling of any kind of agency and any kind of power that you have in this very formative time for your children. Yes, but for you also. Like I talk, I have goosebumps right now because I talk about becoming version 2.0 and 3.0 and 4.0 of myself with each new child. And allowing myself to go through that process of whatever that uncovering of the new self looks like. But um but anyway, I love to watch I love to watch your version of parenting that feels like you just you you seize it by the horns. Um was that something intentional or did that sort of just develop from your person? You're the rock and roll romantic. So I mean did that just happen <laughs> naturally or was it My mom said to me that like her goal when we were little was that we would just always have a lot of fun. So I definitely I, the only terror I think I had was in the very beginning with my son, I was maybe slightly germaphobic. And then that was completely eradicated once he started crawling. And I was like, there is no control. <laughs> this and then with my daughter, who was like a terror as a little girl, especially traveling, you know, she would like eat ice from the seat uh, of the airplane yeah. and then ride on the floor and pick up stuff. And I was like, I don't care anymore. I don't care. So once that little bit of terror went away, I just was like, let me make all these moments fun and try to have them feel the sense of like fun and adventure. Um, the guilt, I don't know how to, I don't know how to get rid of the guilt, but I think, you know, it's just making sure that like they're always lighthearted and, and like I have friends that are fearful on the playground and they have to follow their kids around and their kids sense that, you know, like they're always worried. And I'm just like, you know what, if they fall, they fall. If they hit their head, it's okay. You'll, but you, you know? can never, I found that you can never teach somebody that they have to live it. They, have they to must live it. live it. Just like we had to. I was the quintessential first, you know, super nervous first pregnant woman. And I followed Carmen around everywhere. She's like, Rafa just got stitches for the first time the other day. And that was my first experience with that. It was so upsetting. And we're okay afterwards. But I needed to go through that. And I needed to be allowed to be afraid. And, you know, I have had them when they say, Mommy, don't go to work. I need to be allowed to feel guilty and then I need to be present for that and then sort my emotions out so it's almost like I think the only way to eradicate that is to be aware say hey I am scared of this and I need to fix that um, but no matter how many people tell me oh it's okay if like you know you drop the passy on the floor and on the ground in New York City and then put it back in their mouth like that wasn't okay for me it just wasn't <laughs> right. and people have different levels of it I also have found that definitely with this baby I did get slightly more germophobic again because when I delivered him I had pneumonia right my two middle boys had uh, the flu, not in flu season, by the way. We couldn't even, you know, deal with it because it was out of it was out of fashion. It was out of season. Everybody was telling us and we couldn't find the medicine for it. And then um, and then Carmen came home with pink eye. So it just felt so unfair when, just it, rains, like, it, so, pours. when it rains, it poured. And it was just this thing of like my baby did not get sick. And I was super hormonal, upset. I was sure. I look at my baby every single day as I'm like hacking on him uncontrollably saying, my baby's going to get sick and he's going to die. 
that is my fourth child around. I was sure that that's what it's going to happen. Obviously, I was overtired and had just dealt with everything. We know that we're, we definitely have terrible mom brain when we just deliver a baby. But I washed myself in between. They told me that he had to live in a separate room. I had to take a bath in between taking care of my sick children on one side and go over to the other. And it was like so hectic. So you bet you everybody's washing their hands when they come into the house because I was like, if you make me go through that again. (laughs) Um, That being said, you know, Leah licked a fountain the other day. And I was just like, okay, put my hands up in the air and and you're fine. But I think there is a level of once you go through something hard, you're like, I'm not not doing that again. I can't do that again. No, experience cures all. And... And or at least gives you the resilience to know you're going to be able to deal with it when it happens. I I grew up basically at my grandparents' farm, so I think I was probably like shoveling manure at some point very early on. I I I probably err on the side of of allowing too many things to pass through my children's mouths that shouldn't be. There. But manure is probably cleaner than what we find on the streets of New York. <laughs> I would just say it's it's just oh. grass that's passed through some like animal body. It's fine. I had a fail this last week. I got on the airplane. I like wiped all the the seat down oh yeah and he was like gnawing on the the where the armrest <laughs> and i was like whatever i wiped it down but he fully got something from doing that mm-hmm. you know and even the sort of was like oh you don't know how dirty that is and i was like it's okay i cleaned it off <laughs> with a wipe what do you do when your kids get sick because i wanted to ask you about you know we we let our kids eat things off the ground and lick the lick the banister and they're yep. gonna get a cold and a flu every now and then what are your what are your go-to sort of immunity hacks for kids okay so we my first son had febrile seizures. So when he when he hits like 104, when he hit 104, he had a seizure. So we discovered that we always had to keep his temperature down if he get if he had one. So while I'm not big into drugs, we just drugged him because we didn't ever want to go through that again. Yeah. But vitamin D drops, vitamin D gummies. Um, now he's old enough to swallow vitamins. So I, you know, flu season ish, I'll give him like a big dose of that. Silver, I can't say enough about silver spray, silver gel, uh, colloidal silver. Mm-hmm. So on the airplane, they get it in their mouth, their hands get it, and it doesn't have the alcohol that actually creates holes like hand sanitizer does in your skin. So it's a natural antibiotic um, that you can ingest. And what else do I do? D gummies, the silver, and uh, drug him when he has a fever, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> See, that's the yin and the yang. Yeah, but I think I wouldn't have been so overbearing about it had that not happened to us. When you're like first time parent and your kid has a seizure, it's like the scariest thing. I can't imagine. So I want to ask a question if I can about uh, about going, you know, going through the process of growing a company before you became a mom. Do you see that there are corollaries for you of like the birthing process of that? of that experience? Were there hard things about being a businesswoman? Were there things that taught you about the resilience and the no fear and the, and the trust in yourself? Um, and how do you, how do you sort of navigate that now that you have other babies that are also requiring <laughs> of your creative and investment? I think that I feel very much that I couldn't have done what I did with a kid in building my business. And I know that some people start businesses when they're nine months pregnant and they have a great time of it. But I think it took all of me and it took all my time. You know, I worked till 11 every night prior. You know, I worked weekends. I traveled tons for work. And so I think it was this all-consuming, you know, Gavin and I were both building our careers. And so we're like, high five, we'll see you on the flip side. And so I think that that time period of putting in that type of hard work makes you strong, makes you resilient. And it wasn't easy. There was so much failure. There were so many hard times. Um, 
And I talk about that very freely because I don't want people to think it was a sugar coating, you know, Cinderella story. Um, and I think that honestly, sometimes having a kid can be harder and sometimes it's way easier than birthing a company. And I think now there's these peak moments where, you know, whether it's fashion week or you're launching a new category that you, you feel that intensity again, um, where you're like, oh, this is what that was like for 10 years straight. And now like handbags is it's not on autopilot by any means, but like people know of the brand in that way. And then you go to launch a new category or doing the podcast, which we launched last week. Like congratulations. Thanks. So exciting. Thanks. What's it called? Well, it's called Super Women with Rebecca Minkoff. Yes, you are. Hopefully you'll both be guests. Yes. But even that, it was fun to go back and learn something new. And I really dove in and I was like, okay, I got to write all the questions. I got to write, like, you know, figure this out by myself. No one handed me the podcast and said, you know, here. And so I think it was nice to have that feeling again of building something from scratch and trying mm -hmm. to figure it out. And as we, as we air episodes, like what works, what doesn't and why. And um, I like that. I love that. I started um, a yoga studio a long time ago. While you were pregnant? Well, no, way okay. before Alec, way before. Jesus. No, no. We, we, started, um, we started a couple yoga studios. And I look back at that and I think, I don't think I could ever do it again. And it was just like the long nights and the, you know, I lived there. I was there 365 days a week. I would start at 5 a.m. I'd finish most days probably around 1030 p.m. And I would just be there every single day. And there's just kind of that it's sort of that eyes towards the horizon of like, I have to get there. And you don't know exactly where it's going to go, right? It's this kind of feeling in the dark. I think this is my vision. This is what I believe in. But how can I get there? I don't know. It's putting one foot in front of the other. And I have this idea, of, I have this feeling after becoming a mother, like, I don't think I could do that again. There's this strength that I think that you have before having children that's it changes a little yeah. bit and just I don't know if it's just priorities or whatever and now it's you know a well working machine um and so you can manage it and sort of handle it a little bit better but that like just those grueling grueling it's nights, all in it's all in and that's all that you're focused on and so the, the women who can do things while they're pregnant while they have children it's just mind-blowing beyond well, mind -blowing. you only know what you know though right I think some people that um, that I've talked to who are in that process of starting businesses as they're super pregnant or just given birth or whatever it might be, you only know what you only you have to do it. I think that's part of being being wanting to be a mom and to have other elements that you feel obligated to, you know, to fulfill on. Um, you, you, you stretch 24 hours in the day somehow magically. Although I do, I just, I agree with you. I don't know how you could possibly spend, you know, 5 a.m. to 11 p.m. doing anything fully if you were also, you know, called to home. I want to ask something because I think our listeners are really going to be curious. Um, uh, you, I, you know, obviously you talk openly about having had natural births and water births, which are awesome. And I'm so... Becky has video of this happening that I haven't seen yet, but I'm kind of like angling to get to see it. At some Anytime point. You, you did the, you did the video. I did video for all three. Yes, wow, yes. You, did Gavin record it? Was it? He did. did I you, was, Did you watch them afterwards? I watched them all the time. We lost two of the videos <gasps> for a few years. No, they were found. Oh, thank goodness! And I okay. spent a Friday night with a glass of wine watching them over and over again. <laughs> and you're like in the virtual like tears a weird right form now. Of therapy for me. I don't know. <laughs> how did How did that seeing yourself deliver a baby? How did How did that 
did that affect the second and third time around? Or were you still just kind of like, I, that was so great. That was a great experience. And now I'm going to have a different experience. Um, I just go, I can't believe we do this. I can't believe that this is how we, A, like took over the planet, right? <laughs> and that we keep doing it. Like it's so intense. Yeah. And I keep trying to remember that intensity, like that you feel in your uterus as your cervix is. And it's just like nothing replicates that feeling. And did you videotape yours? No. I didn't either. I wouldn't let Alec. I video. He takes I a video as soon as they put the baby on my chest. Right. That's the moment that right. I'm like, I will remember this moment. Um, And that, I, I, when I see it, I cry every single time. Yeah. But I, I've, that's I think amazing. I, that I think you... I wanted to remember how intense something could be mm-hmm. and how painful and mm-hmm. we survive it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and we are stronger for it. Like, I just remember when I was with my first and I, and I'm not deeply religious in any aspect of the word but I was like I'm alone in this and it's just me and if there is a god that's it and we're just that no one's gonna help me do this I mean yeah people will help you but like no one is making that baby truly come out except except for you but so to be that alone and like then come through that it's empowering. It's really it's, empowering. It's scary and then empowering. Now, this is an interesting dynamic we were talking about before mm. because you didn't do epidurals on any of yours. No. She did on two out of the three, correct? <laughs> two out of three. And I did on all four, but I never like thought about it that much because again, I'm just kind of going with the flow with everything. So like the first time around, and I'm a, I'm a yoga, super namaste person. <laughs> and, and I have a very high pain tolerance, by the way. I broke my hip straight through when I was 25 years Oof. old just from walking on it little by little. So it's not in terms of that, but I just kind of like, I'm like, okay, we're doing this. Let's do this now. So the first time around, I didn't really think about it. I did no childbirth classes. I mean, I did tons of like prenatal yoga and stuff like that, but I didn't really know what to expect. And I love my doctor. I kiss the ground that he walks on. He's super, super Western and I'm like the hippie. So it's actually a yin and a yang that works really well. I always love people with like a different opinion and then we can like spar off of each other. That's why <laughs> I married my husband. Um, but they they were like, okay, because my water didn't break um, and I was in labor for a long, long time. And so they, he said, I'm going to give you an epidural, then I'm going to break your water. And I said, how about we do this? You break my water. Then I decide I want if, an ep- if I want an epidural. And then some of like the nurses kind of like started snickering. I was like, okay, or we could do it your way. And then we did it that way and it was fine. I've heard horror stories on both sides. I've heard horror stories of people that the epidural didn't go well of reactions to it. I've heard horror stories of people who didn't get an epidural and they lost the strength because they were in so much pain. Obviously, we know that every single pregnancy, labor, delivery is different. So who knows where that line is? The second time around, I did almost the entire labor. I was in labor for 23 hours. I did almost the entire thing without an epidural. The fourth Third time around, it's confusing when you have so many. (laughs) Third time around, I was doing the same thing and I was laboring and laboring on my own. And then the anesthesiologist comes in. She's like, why do you women do this? She says, it will not make a difference. I give epidurals all day long. That is my job. I give it. Why do you wait? She says, it will not make a difference. And now there's something called a walking epidural, which I experienced with number three. And I kind of looked at her. I'm like, well, you know, I did it this way before and it worked. So I'm just going to kind of like stick with what I was doing before. And then the fourth time around, I was induced because of this whole complication. It actually was like a a lovely, lovely experience. And again, if you told me five, six years ago before I had children that that was going to be my story, I'd be like, shut up. Like, go away. You don't know me. I do handstands for a living. (laughs) And so, I mean, I'm very interested to hear your 
um, your take on this because you're such a strong advocate, which is so admirable. I'm like, and my mouth is completely open with the strength that you have and that you recorded it and then you did it again. <laughs> and I watched it. And you watched, and we it. watched it. Um, I, I had, again, I had no idea when I went into this, but I watched the business of being born mm-hmm. and I decided that the risks of Pitocin, induction, you know, then labor slowing down, then emergency C-section because you're not progressing. I thought that that was a risk that I was not willing to experience. Obviously, if I needed to have a C-section because there was something that went wrong, totally, you know, totally willing to do that. But I didn't want to introduce something that would potentially lead to that outcome. Mm -hmm. And I think the statistics are 30% more likely to have a C-section if you do get an epidural. And I said, you know what? With that information, the fact that we've been doing this for 10,000 years, and my, you know, my mom's generation, most women did it without it. I said, I want to see if I can tap into something that is bigger than me, more powerful than me, and, and if I can come out the other side. And so I mm-hmm. think once I did it, it was awful. You know, yeah. it, was, there, it was not easy. It was the hardest thing I've ever done. But I just decided, you know, if I did it once, I can do it again. And I think when you go into the second time, you know what's going to happen. You're like, oh, God. I'm going for it again and I can't believe it. And then you do it. And then with my third, we were literally, I labored in a hotel room close to the hospital because Brooklyn's too far away to labor. Um, (laughs) And I literally was like, guys, should I just go to the hospital and get this epidural? Should I do it? And both Gavin and Latham were like, this is not what you wanted. Like, let's just keep going. And I had that moment there, like, should I do this on my third? But then what if it did end up in a C-section that I'd never forgive myself, you know, if that was the reason why I got one. So I just was like, you know what, it's going to be terrible and we're going to get through it. And the minute my water broke, I I started crying because I was like, oh God, it's about to get fucked up. It's about to get like gorilla style primitive. I'm going to start moaning and screaming. And then you do it and you're like, oh, okay, I could do that again. But like, do you I, ever get to the point, because what somebody said to me, as obviously you, you chat about it with a lot of different people, but what somebody said to me was, would you get a tooth pulled without without anesthesia? Definitely not. <laughs> That's <laughs> where the line is. That's the boundary. I don't know. But I don't, I don't know. <laughs> there's there's not another another human involved correct. in your tooth pulling. Correct. Um, but I, anyway, I, I think that there's, I think, well, I will say this, having gone back and forth. And it's interesting to me that you had that moment of terror with your third because I similar I kept thinking every time it'll feel like going over a roller coaster where the first time you go over you're like oh shit oh shit oh shit we're getting to the top and then you fall and it's like okay it it and then the second time you go and you kind of anticipate what that experience is going to be like and it's okay it was the third time for me that I got scared of like what is going to happen differently here and it was because I had two very different births the first time around the first time around I was induced all the medication. Uh, uh, you know, after 29 hours of labor, I ended up getting the epidural 15 minutes before I gave birth, which was crazy. Um, but it was uh, it was an extremely difficult recovery in terms of not and I shouldn't say extremely. I was actually fine, but it was um, it was a, it was a lot of pain. It was a lot of recovery time. It was um, it was. It, it was also my first. And I think your body is learning with you how to do this. And that I, when you say you tapped into something that's bigger than we are and that women have been doing forever and ever, it, that was something very interesting to me in that I sort of learned a lot about mother. I learned a lot about um, pregnancy and I thought I knew a lot about motherhood, but I didn't know a lot about, about birth because I, of course, not because I'm so go with the flow, but because I'm so disorganized, had not taken any uh, birthing classes or anything leading up to that. The second time with my son, um, we did all natural. And my recovery from that was so 
so much better. I mean, just in terms of my mood, my milk came in faster. The recovery itself was easier. I, I felt like myself again. And I don't know, I can't say that's because it wasn't medicalized, but that was my experience. From one to the other, it was a completely different thing. So then going into my third, I just had this weird terror around, will it be like my first or like my second? And, uh, uh, not, and how was it? not surprisingly, it was like neither of them. It was completely its own. My third, Domenica, her name means Sunday because I went to the hospital with ruptured, my water broke on a full, the bright blood moon that Sunday in December last year. Um, and she was supposed to be born. She's my third. Everyone promised me she'd come fast. I was already a week overdue. I was like 41 plus weeks. This little girl, my lovely Sagittarius, <laughs> no one rushes her. No one rushes baby out of the womb. She was going to stay there as long as she damn well please. And she came on a Monday. But I was like, well, your name's still Sunday. So take that. Um, but but it was it was um, it was it was petrifying in a lot of ways that I, I'm glad to hear you. say. I, I'm glad I wasn't alone because I think you you hope that you'll just become a veteran and everything will feel commonplace. And the reality is motherhood puts you on your ass almost every day. And that, I think, is what is so valuable about having a place, a forum like this where we can come together and talk about it because your experience, Becky, is different than anyone else's we're going to talk to. And I could sit here and chat with you about it all day. And I think we're it's probably going to have like a repeat visit because I you're watch birth. I, wa I watch, I follow all these birth people. I still watch them all every day. People. Yes. I do that before my second. Badass mother birther. Crazy stuff. Oh, the yeah. ones and where they, they're like walking in the kitchen they catch their own baby. Just everything. She, the amount of breech births, like vaginal breech births she oh, shows is fascinating. But can we talk about people who like give birth in a toilet? How do you ever not know you're not pregnant? Know that, yeah. <laughs> I, that I don't know. Miss, miss, I just feel like I had to pass some gas house. and oops, a baby came oh, out. My I wanted to ask you about where, um, where you buy kids clothes. Um, I think Rockets of Awesome and Stitch Fix, Kids, Stitch Fix Kids is great. You get a box. You return it all. I do buy a lot from Zara. I'm not going to lie. I love Zara. Um, what else? Old Navy for the pajamas, the tight pajamas, you know. That... Are you an Amazon person? or like? I am, or but not for, these... not, not for clothes. clothes. Never. Just stuff. The amount of, yeah, just stuff <laughs> that we don't need. Becky, tell us what's up next for you and what we should pay attention to oh, in the man. world of Rebecca Mangold. Definitely download, subscribe, rate, and review my podcast, which is out, Super Women. Um, what else is next? We are launching our eyewear, which I've been teasing on the gram. Um, Amazing. So if you need some sunglasses in, in the depth of winter to protect your eyes, get them. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, we love you and we thank you for being here with us. Thanks on for having me. Yeah. So that Daphne, that was amazing, and she's she's such an incredible. We're gonna cut this part out because this just sounds so canned. <laughs> that being said, we are going to warm up, and it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be um, awesome. So no, one of the things I I love talking about with her is she's so she's so confident and she's so articulate about why she does the things, but she's so focused on this is, hey, this is the way that I do it, mm -hmm. and this is what works for me. She's not preachy, but she's a wealth of information. Well, let's let's for mom brains like mine who can only remember three things at a time. Let's give everybody the three things that we're taking away here. One, I think most importantly, have fun. That's mm -hmm. what I read from her all the time. And she does it with her kids. And she does it in her business. And I think that's chief and have a little less fear, which I think is good. Two, vitamin D and colloidal silver spray. I know. I need to I, I need to find out more about the silver spray. We'll link to that or something, because I think that's a great tip to have throughout the fall. And number three look like a badass rock star every time you leave your house. I think part of her thing is, is you know, owning, or she is, she's confident, she's powerful, she's got her business going. And mom, being a mother, 
can put make you feel vulnerable and make you feel out of sorts sometimes, even when it lifts you up and makes you extraordinarily happy. And I think when you dress the part, it it, uh, it helps things along. You fake it till you make it. You fake it till you make it. What what can we call this segment? A few of our favorite things. These are these are these, these are, are a few, few of, of our, our favorite, favorite things. things. Is that yeah. allowed, or do we have to pay for that? No, hell no. Oh, okay. That's the English language. <laughs> <That's a podcast. laughs> it's it's less than fifteen seconds. It's common use. <laughs> now for a few of our favorite yeah. things. I don't know if we can <laughs> sing it. I learned from I I did learn from Alec um, doing um, Match Game that you, you have to buy the rights to songs so you can't sing them. Yeah. So we Humming. will not be singing this part, <laughs> but we have named this next section a few of our favorite things. I feel like one of the things you're always looking for is, or I should say, the only reason I buy anything these days is because it's been word of mouth recommended to me by someone I really know, trust, love, care, value their opinion. And so there are a couple of things making our lives that much better right now. We're going to share them with you. And I will totally try almost everything. Yeah. Almost everything. They're like, this is life changing. And you try it and your whole face turns red. Like therapy. Like vagina therapy. (laughs) I have to tell you, I have a confession. And the confession is that I always judged moms with the wipe warmer, ah. the wipe warmer. And I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> suck it up. The baby cries a little bit because that thing is so cold at two o'clock in the morning. This that is a very is just, specific confession. Oh, okay, it's very specific. <laughs> but let me tell you something. And we would kind of like laugh about it in the house. My fourth baby would cry so much when oh. he would get his diaper changed because the wipes were so cold that all of a sudden... We got a package with a wipe warmer that maybe or maybe I did not deliver. I mean, sorry, order, order, order. <laughs> um, mom brain. Um, so I would say that has been a wonderful thing. And I just ordered a second one because we changed his diaper in two places. And it was some of the best twenty dollars and ninety nine cents that I ever spent. It's kind of amazing. Um so the white former just made him like so much happier and he didn't scream as much. So I would say I don't think it's a necessity, but it was one of those things that I kind of rolled my eyes like, oh first time moms, whatever. And I by the way I didn't do it when I was a first time mom. And now fourth child around, my baby is very happy. The other three totally suffered through the cold wipes. Can I tell you something though? For the whole family you can't throw it into the toilet, obviously. But right. having a white warmer in the bathroom, especially if you have small children who you're trying to teach potty training and trying to help them engage in wiping themselves and the whole thing, having a nice warm wipe makes them very right. happy to do that. It's less traumatic. And you have a wastebasket next to the toilet and it's less traumatic and it works well. My product that I'm going nuts over right now, um, and if this is this is you, uh-huh, if you are one of those people who wakes up and your eyes are dry or red, and you told me about this also that you love eye drops. So I went hunting around for eye drops because I didn't want to put, like the only ones I could find in the grocery store or in the um, you know, a convenience store were redness reducing. I felt maybe like a little harsher than yeah. I actually want. I just want saline drops. I found online this these individual ampules called Optique One. They're yes, Boyrin. Yes, yes. They're so homeopathic good. and they're they're totally hygienic and you can literally keep them in your makeup purse or I have a bunch in my glove compartment in my car and you tear one off at a time and they're just enough drops for both eyes. It has changed, changed life. my life. Less less I, I find that when I wake up in the morning I am less um what is the word congested. Congested no or, no no puffy. puffy. I'm less puffy. Um and part of it is, you know, I mean for women who wear makeup, when we wash the makeup off, I don't wear a lot, but I'll wear like mascara, a little bit of eyeliner. When we wash the makeup off, even if you think you get it all, when you wake up in the morning, you have like the black, like little yeah, crust yeah, yeah. right in the corners of your eyes. And I'm like, that's disgusting. So I'll wash my eyes out after washing the makeup. Mm-hmm. And then in the morning, that'll be the first thing that I do as well before washing my face. And it just is a life changer. 
I feel like we're starting to spend so much time with each other. We're rubbing off on each other. I know. I know. Well, you have great ideas. I love good to pick ideas too. It's good. <laughs> All right, so you guys are the lucky people who already found Mom Brain. Please don't forget to rate and review us. We love that five stars, guys, on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell your friends. Let's do a little listening party. Yeah, and you know what? I always hear that after like every single person's podcast, and I know that we kind of like turn we like turn the volume down at that point, but it really makes a difference. And we are people. We are people. We are people behind the microphone. We are in fact, and we actually really care. Um, so we want to, we want to hear what you think and we really want to tailor this to you because this is like, welcome to the mom club and, um, and we want to create our little community and, and make it as, as good as possible. And that, that requires you guys to participate. I think they should. I think you should see yourself as sitting on this couch here with us having this conversation. Give us your feedback, give us your words, give us your love, and we'll give you everything we have and more. Mm -hmm. That's all for mom brain. See you guys next week. See you later. Bye. This is Mom Brain with Alaria Baldwin and Daphne Oz. Mom Brain is a Gallery Media Group production.